Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Age Thoughtfully. I'm your host, Marissa Kennerson. Welcome to your masterclass on sleep. Meet sleep expert Alina Winnell. For several years, Alina explored countless routes to find a solution to her sleeping issues, but nothing worked. In her experience, conventional treatment methods for insomnia only focused on the physical element of well-being, such as sleep habits and patterns, neglecting the whole person. It was at this point she realized that she had to dedicate her life to curing her sleep and ultimately her life. Alina set out on a fascinating journey that led her to explore a variety of natural treatments and to participate in numerous personal and professional courses. During this time, she studied and received certification in a number of modalities, including meta-coaching, neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, hypnotherapy, sound healing, brainwave entrainment, brain mapping, and various human development frameworks. She also studied a range of alternative healing treatments. From the conventional to the unconventional, the scientific to the spiritual, the progressive to the ancient, she scoured the globe to educate herself on the science and art of sleep. Along this journey, she developed her own unique methods to target the key elements critical to restoring the body, mind, and soul back to sleep. An approach that not only worked, but led to fundamental and positive change. One of the first things Alina told me was that everybody can get a good night's sleep. It should be as basic as breathing and eating. So I am so excited. I will keep this short because this episode is packed, absolutely packed. And a lot of things that I think we probably haven't heard before about sleep. So without further ado, I give you Alina Winnell. So, Alina, welcome to the Age Thoughtfully podcast. Thanks, Marissa. I'm so happy to be here. I am so happy you are here. And I know that my audience is probably like freaking out. Like, we all want to know about sleep. Oh, uh, so. yeah. Yeah. It, it can question. seem elusive at times, the good night sleep. Yeah. it's And it um, feels complicated sometimes. Yeah. So, tell us what you do. Okay, so I work as a sleep expert and coach, uh, and basically I help people to get consistent quality sleep in 60 days or less. That's um, the, the, the essence of what I do. So I help people to improve the, their ability to fall asleep faster, their ability to sleep through the night, and also um, their ability to get good quality sleep, which means everything ranging from light sleep to deep sleep, um, which is important. Yeah. and. You had a relationship to insomnia, is that correct? Can you tell me how you came to this work? How did you yes. wake up? Yes, yeah. I had a very different career prior to this. So I used to work in finance um, and I went through a period of insomnia, which became chronic, um, and I found it, uh, which affected every aspect of my life from my relationships to my finances to um, my health and well-being, um, my mental clarity all of those things were affected. So, it, look, I tried to find a solution. I saw so many practitioners. I spent so much money and the issue wasn't resolved. And in the end, I just decided, because sleep is so important to our, our, our well-being and our functioning, I just decided that's it. I'm leaving, you know, my career. I'm finding a solution because I had no, I had very, very poor quality of life um, and went out, spent, a few years finding solutions and then when I 
did heal my sleep, I decided I really, really want to help other people with this because there, even though there is help out there, there's not a lot of really effective help. Um, and so, yeah, so that's what, what I decided to do and I love it. So what was um, one of the places you went and one of the treasures you found on this journey? I'm curious. Oh, wow. I mean, it was everything from um, studying brainwave entrainment in Hawaii to uh, studying sound healing in India and the United States uh, to um, uh, what else? I, I, the number of things I've studied now, holistic health, um, that was over in the States as well, um, heart math coaching. So it was, yeah, it, um, it's taken to me to all taken me to all corners of the world, and yeah. um, I, I live in Australia. So, ah, oh, yes, it's not a big big deal for you when I say, oh yeah, in the states. Well, for us Aussies, it's like, oh, you went and studied in the states. <laughs> so, uh, also studied with some amazing people in Australia as well. So, it's kind of taken me to all the different continents, pretty much all, most of the continents of the world, and um, and really taking the best of the different approaches to health from, you know, sort of the more Eastern uh, methods to Western methods and integrating all of those, which a lot of practitioners are doing these days, which gets, gets you know, to, from my perspective, much better results for people. Definitely. Yeah. And that's, that's how I roll for sure. <laughs> you need them both. Yeah. So part of diving in here, remind us how important sleep is and what can happen if our sleep is off track. You know, I hear that the line that I hear over and over again from my clients is sleep affects everything. And these are the words that they use, right? And they are right because it affects our mental health, our emotional health, our um, physical health, our energetic health. Um, and dare I say it, even our spiritual health. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yeah. So it really affects um, every uh, uh, functioning of our being. Um, and we were chatting prior to the podcast about, you know, one of the issues which is big today is COVID and one of the things that sleep helps with is the immune system. Uh, it also helps us to, so sleep's important for that. It's important to regulate our moods and emotions. Otherwise, um, we can be cranky and irritable. Uh, it's important to heal and regenerate our body. Um, otherwise, we age faster. Um, it is important to... Um, uh, have a healthy weight, um, to, it's important to have a healthy libido. Like it, it affects, it literally does affect every area of our being. So let me just take a step back and kind of frame that up. So if you imagine during the day, our body's breaking down in some capacity. So even us talking to each other right now, in some ways, our body uh, is breaking down and and so that's what we do during the day we break like we're we're um uh, yeah our bodies and our minds are because they're active they're breaking down in some way I don't say that in a negative way but and then at, when we sleep that's when we heal and regenerate so if you imagine it um so during the day we break down during the night time when we're asleep we heal we regenerate so both of those functions are really important. This is this is how the universe works. You know, it's like expansion, contraction, breakdown, regenerate. Um, and so if you can kind of think of it that way, then 
you can imagine that sleep is the time where um, every aspect of our being heals and regenerates. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And just on a personal note, I love sleep. (laughs) (laughs) I always have. (laughs) And it's, you know, it's so interesting you say that and so many people do love sleep and then for one third of the population, they struggle with sleep like quite chronically and for them it is quite literally a nightmare. And there are so many people who will go through the day dreading not being able to sleep at night. Yeah. So, so, so you're one of the lucky ones, Marissa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel so much compassion. And that's why you're here. Yeah. <laughs> do you believe that everybody can reclaim great sleep? I Pretty do. much. You do. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. It's a natural human function. So like we eat, like we breathe, we sleep. And when we're not sleeping, it's a sign that something is out of balance in our system. Right. So it's more a symptom rather than, you know, like it's a sign something's out of balance. So it's really something we should listen to. It's not something we just go. A lot of people say, oh, I'm just a bad sleeper. Well, it's that's not true. You're a bad sleeper because of something, even if you were a bad sleeper from being, you know, from childhood. There is something out of balance and that can be fixed. Yeah. Such a good, hopeful message. I love it. I'm thinking of a few people, too. Okay. So tell us your approach to helping people with their sleep. I know that you have more of a multifaceted approach versus sort of traditional ideas on sleep. So give us a little a little picture of how you work, what your, yeah. what your approach is. Yeah. And so um, I guess, first of all, just one thing I want to say is that people often believe that sleep is um, determined by that hour or two before bed, uh, which simply... I'm not going to say it's not true, but it's it's, it's just very, uh, that, that time only has a very minor impact on our sleep. So it's really the day, our daytime that affects the, the, the ease and quality of our sleep. That's really important to understand. So having said that, um, the approach I take is really about changing patterns and habits and um, uh, the way that we show up during the day. So... Um, most people like don't want to hear about stress, but the truth is we are a highly stressed, you know, uh, uh, culture these days, uh, the Western the Western cultures. Um, and so one of the important things is to really understand how we do that and how to reduce it. So that's one area. So really to understand and through that I don't mean by necessarily by going out and meditating more. It's really one of the most important things is to understand how your mind works, how you create stress from the inside um, and start to change those so to really understand um, how your mind runs. Uh, so thinking patterns um, and, and, and stress. Um, also looking at um, the nervous system is so important. You know, the nervous system is like the master system that govern, governs our health and well-being um, and in particular sleep. So just to clarify, the nervous system is very much activated and sensitive to how we think. Is that correct? And how Absolutely. we process stress? Yeah, and you can't isolate these things. 
we work as a system and everything is interconnected. So exactly the way that we think will affect our nervous system. So if I'm thinking about all of the things that may go wrong today or tomorrow or went wrong in the past, then that will activate in terms of the autonomic nervous system, the sympathetic branch of the autonomic uh, nervous system, which is the stress response. Um, and so usually people these days are in a, um, a sympathetic overdrive and parasympathetic, which is the re- relaxation response, underdrive. Um, makes sense? Yeah. So absolutely it's connected to thoughts. Yeah. So much sense. And it was uh, – I, I took a class earlier today and she was talking about how being late just doesn't matter. And I call myself pathologically punctual. And I thought, What? And I thought of times where I've been so stressed to get somewhere on time. And it was such a beautiful message. It was a great message for me. It really doesn't matter. I'm mm. sending my brain and my nervous system into overdrive. Yeah. I'm sending fear into my brain and my body over something that is, you know, um, I don't know, sort of man-made. It's, it's just not true. It's just, right? Yeah. So when you were having those thoughts, when you're having those thoughts of, goodness, I'm running late, and, you know, and the stress is created, then you would have started to produce stress hormones. Your breathing would have started to accelerate. You know, your your posture probably would have started to be affected. So, so then the thoughts affect the nervous system. And then um, if that stress is not released from the body, then that night you won't sleep as deeply or as easily because the more, the more cortisol we have in our system, uh, the so cortisol um, basically suppresses melatonin. So the more cortisol there is, the less melatonin you will um, uh, produce. And so then the quality, the ease, and and the quality of your sleep in particular um, are affected. Yeah, all cortisol suppress. All from a little, you know, because if you have a thought like that multiple times a day, you imagine the accumulation over the day. And people get into habits and, and often it's hard to see our own habits and patterns. So this is where like, yeah, the, the ability to actually step back and observe those kinds of patterns like you've done can be so helpful. So helpful. And cortisol suppresses melatonin. Yeah. I did not. Absolutely. It makes sense to me, but I don't think I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why often people don't get tired at nighttime because um, let's say, uh, so someone might be exhausted, but not tired. So if um, there are high levels of stress hormones, including cortisol uh, in the body, so we have serotonin during the day. uh, And then when the sun goes down, our serotonin turns into melatonin, which is the sleep hormone at night. But um, stress hormones will always override the production of melatonin because our survival will come before sleep. Our body will not go into sleep or a deep sleep if it feels that it's threatened or in danger in some way. And it doesn't matter if it's just a, a thought about, oh, no, I'm going to be late, or if there's actually, you know, a tiger in front of you, That's the, our system doesn't know the difference. So it's a survival uh, response, really. And the, the body's very clever like this. Yeah. And do you have favorite, this is more micro than I planned, early on here, but let's just do it. Do you have favorite ways to release stress and to get, get the cortisol out of your body and move through the stressful moment? Yeah. So I did in an ideal world, 
uh, I really would encourage people to understand how they create stress for themselves and to not produce it in the first place. But, of course, we all do that to some extent. Um, and so if we do produce stress, then um, ways to reduce stress in the body, uh, yeah, movement would be my number one um, uh, so sound, breath and movement, okay, would be probably the top three. So move, whether it's, you know, uh, going for a run and really like argh, getting that out of your system, whether it's um, doing going boxing and, and really allowing the sound to come out of the system, um, uh, you know, like some nice healthy screens. Oh. Uh, yeah. Some grunts. Some, some good grunts. grunts. Amazing, you know, or even like, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, some grunts um and uh breathing right and actually uh i'm probably going to jump around a little bit now but i think this could be a good time to do it speaking about yeah, breathing jump away yeah so talking about stress which we've just spoken about um a lot of people will say to me well actually i'm not stressed that's not what's affecting my sleep and i'll say okay because when something becomes normal we don't notice it anymore it's normal so I have an invitation for your listeners right now, and we can do it too, is place a hand on your upper chest and on your belly and just notice where you're breathing into. And so if you're breathing high and fast into your upper chest, usually that means you've got elevated stress levels. Now that may change throughout the day. But if that happens quite consistently, if, now this isn't the cause of stress, but it's a symptom, um, then that's, that's just a sign that actually maybe that your stress levels are higher than what you expect um, or what you had um, believed. Um, so that's one, one way you can kind of do a quick check-in with the body to go, well, what are my stress levels like? And some of your listeners may notice that actually they're holding their breath and that's another thing I, I see a lot um, especially people who have insomnia this is quite common um, so when we're breathing high and fast it's more the fight or flight response when we're holding our breath it means we've gone that step further into the freeze response um, and so yeah so the, the, it shows there's an imbalance in the nervous system if that's happening fairly frequently so it's a good little test I think it's a great test. And I think in my early 20s, I started doing dance, sort of a yoga dance mixture. And I remember my breath was so tight and shallow. Yeah. Right. And now, now I'm like into the pelvic floor when I take a breath. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I definitely hold my breath too. And I, I just put out an episode on social media that when we're looking at screens, we tend to hold our breath. It's so strange. Yes. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. 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 I notice it all the time where I'm like, or I'm watching a movie or, and I'm holding my breath. <laughs> so I'm trying yeah. to make a conscious effort. Yeah. And, and that's another interesting one too. Like if we're watching a movie that is stressful to what to observe that, because it's another thing that, that can create stress for us. And it, it's fine to do it every now and again, but if it's done on excessive levels, that's when um, maybe we want, to, we want to consider changing that. Yeah. But I agree. I notice that with people watching, doing work on their screen. So it's a really good reminder to your listeners to really start to observe how do you breathe when you're working um, on your laptop or, or working on a screen? Yeah. Yeah. And we're on them so much because I might have a nice breath practice, but I've got to make sure when I'm doing my writing, you know, I'm learning how to breathe on the podcast so I don't breathe into the microphone. I'm like taking deep breaths over here on the side. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. There you go. So I don't do a big exhale into for all of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I know that um, you have this this wonderful section. So Elena has this book called Seven Secrets to Fall Asleep and Stay Asleep, How to Reclaim Your Sleep and Transform Your Life. And it's available for free on her website. And I'm going to give you all of that information in the show notes. But she has this wonderful section where she busts sleep myths. And should we go through some of them? Sure. Okay, I'll Do start it. them. Take a big deep breath here. Okay. So... Um, I love how you said that the sleep field is antiquated and that you could bring us up to date here. You can start to bring us up to date. So yeah. sleep hygiene. This is a big one. We mm. hear about a lot. Talk mm. to us about sleep hygiene. Yeah. So m- most people, when they read about sleep or, or, or find out about sleep through the media, um, you know, look, sleep's dumbed down most of the time, like like a lot of topics are, right? So uh, in the media we'll often read about um the way to improve your sleep is through sleep hygiene. What sleep hygiene refers to are the habits and uh, practices we have around our sleep. So that might refer to what time you go to bed, um, uh, um, uh, keeping when a, you shut off screens, shut off screens, keeping a tidy bedroom, um, um, not eating too close to bed, uh, bedtime. Um, uh, what else? Um, so it's those basic practices, having a wind down routine. So it's those basic practices. And for a lot of people that will help their sleep, but for anyone who's really struggling with sleep, it just won't be enough. So for the, for, for someone, for the average person who wants to have a slight improvement on their sleep, it may help. But for most people, it's not enough. It, it, it only affects a, a very small proportion of um, the quality of our sleep. So, uh, that's why I said earlier on that it's the, the quality of our day that affects the quality of our night. Uh, that's so important to know. So if you're trying all these different things to improve your sleep by cutting out screens, by going to bed at the same time every night, great. Um, but there are other things you can do that I'd suggest are maybe even more important. That's tempting to ask you what they are. Should we keep myth busting or do you want to tell us? What do you think? We'll keep myth busting. I'll come back. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Medication, that there's some uh, magic bullet, right, of medication. Yeah. So medication's only ever intended to be a short-term solution for people. Um, Most sleeping aids uh, put people into, it's like a... Well, it's an artificial sleep, if that makes sense. So it turns the brain off, but we may not necessarily uh, be in that restful state. So we're not actually getting the healing and regeneration that sleep is supposed to provide. So it may help on some levels, um, but but it doesn't really help us with what um, deep sleep, uh, the benefits that deep sleep provides. So I just encourage anyone who's, you know, sure, sure, you know, speak to your doctor. Um, but if you're not able to resolve your sleep issues, it's really not a great idea to be relying on them long term. You just it will it will affect your health and well being. No and those are things like Ambien or yeah. those kinds of things. Yeah, what about supplements. 
Yeah. Uh, oh, supplements. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, there's certain supplements that can help um, improve our ability to sleep. So that could be anything from uh, magnesium um, to uh, vitamin Bs, um, which basically we deplete with stress. Okay. So that's kind of the connection. Um, um, there's various other supplements out there that typically they are to help you to relax and that's great you know yeah sure take the supplements if you find it helps you ideally we want to get to that point in a natural way because we're if we're constantly relying on taking things to help us you know come into balance and it's like again what's out of balance that we need to be taking that so I'm not against supplements absolutely go for it um but also just it's also about like, well, why are we needing that? Why do we constantly need to top up those things? What what are we depleting in our body or not getting enough of through our food that we're needing those supplements? And you know, there's messaging out there that oh, when you're when you're older and as you age, you don't develop as much serotonin and melatonin, and so you have to take these things. But it sounds like that's not necessarily true. It's from not, what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, it depends how healthy we are. Um, it's so. If you look at what happens as we age, it's not actually the ageing that causes those things to come out of balance. It's our lifestyles and the way that we think and the way that we, um, you know, when our nervous system goes out of balance. So, um, uh, yeah. Um. Okay. Um, So let's see. We went over that one. Stress is caused by circumstance. We're going to bust that myth. Oh, yes. Uh, So that's basically saying that stress is coming from the outside world or what's happening to us, which is the common, a common belief. I'm stressed because of, you know, and it's usually people will point to an outside factor and often people don't like me saying this, but it's it's very rarely actually the outside factor is the way that we perceive that outside factor. And the meaning making, right? The The way we make meaning of what happens. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm working on this right now. Ah, Fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. It's how we make meaning. We are meaning making machines as humans. That's what we are constantly doing so anything that's a belief is something a way that we've made meaning um so yeah so we are meaning making yeah and um i'll probably do another podcast on this talking about how this happens how we sort of there's a circumstance and then there's the thought and then there's the feeling and on and on and on so we'll do we'll do a whole podcast on that right yeah (laughs) great topic okay um Reducing your time in bed will help you sleep once you finally get the chance. Yeah. So. Uh, reducing your time in bed will help you. Hang on. Just say that again. Well, basically a myth a myth to bust is that people oh. start to hear they should spend less time in their beds. Yeah. 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 Right. I've yeah, actually never a, heard of that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. There's a school of thought that um, you should only be in bed between, you know, certain times. So let's say you go to bed, you don't fall asleep um, until 5am. Well, you should be out of bed by 6am no matter what. So I have seen some people follow these rules and um, it's really, really affected them. I, I don't, nec- for some people, sleep restriction may work, but I don't necessarily, I don't personally agree with that because, 
um, you're better off to get some sleep even if it's not at an ideal time than to really get minimal sleep. So if it's some, yeah, so it's I have seen some people whose stress levels have just gone through the roof because they've followed that advice um, and it does work for some people but for the majority I would say it is not necessarily helpful. What about the Ayurvedic bedtime of like 10 to 6? Do you believe in bedtimes for people or? Yeah, sure. So all of our organs are are stronger and weaker at different times and heal and repair more at certain times than others. Um, So um, in an ideal world, sure, it is better to sleep sort of between, you know, sort of 9 and 10 to 5 to 6 a.m. Absolutely. Uh, But we don't necessarily live in an ideal world or yeah so um as close to that as you can get it will mean that you get better quality sleep um but from from my perspective i'd still rather that someone got eight hours sleep from 12 to 8 than six hours from 12 to 6 you know who's trying to keep in line with yeah so it's sort of perfect yeah okay um okay so tell us about brainwave flexibility, what it is, and how it can help us sleep better. Yes. And I'm now, also going to turn the light on because the sun's going down over go here on the other side go of the world. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. it. The I'm sun's gonna... coming up here. <laughs> well, it's, it's it. morning here. <laughs> uh, one of the things I say, but you can't get a better sleep expert and coach than an Aussie because uh, you know here we have koalas who sleep more than I think any other um, living uh, creature in uh, uh, that, that exists. So, so uh, yeah, <laughs> Sl- sleeping down under. Um, okay, what was the next question? Sorry. Oh, um... Telling us what brainwave flexibility oh, brainwave is flexibility. and how it can help us sleep better. So, yeah, first, what is it? What is it? Okay. So um, similar similar to the fact that people are typically in sympathetic overdrive these days, people are typically in what we call a beta brainwave state an excessive amount of time these days. So this all happens simultaneously. So, um Basically, we have energetic patterns in the brain, just just as our we do in the heart and and every area of our body. Uh, you know, the way we know we're dead is when we have no energy in our body. Uh, there's no electrical pulses in the body. So the, there are electrical patterns in the brain, and during the day, um, the, it's the, our brain waves move faster, and then at night time they slow down. Well, ideal. That's that's what they're meant to do. So when we're in a really deep sleep, the way that we know this is because uh, the brain waves of a person slows down. So when people cannot get into a deep sleep, one of the things that I look at with people is how do they slow down their brain waves? Because with time, it's almost like um, uh, when you lose your flexibility, right? So, you know, over time you might get sort of rigid and stiff because uh, you're no longer stretching as much and that kind of thing. Similar with brain waves, if we are in a fast brainwave state a lot of the time, it's almost like the brain forgets how to go into those slower states. So that's something that it's really important for um, people to look at if they're not getting into a deep sleep. Really, how do we really do it? How do we slow down our brain waves? Well, <laughs> or is that back to stress? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. The more you relax, the more your brain waves slow down. Absolutely. And we can relax 
in different ways, you know, whether it's meditation, with, but specifically with clients, you, you know, I'll use things like hypnotherapy and um, um, binaural beats. Um, uh, what else? Binaural um, beats are cool. So we can like put on our headphones and put on some binaural beats and that's going to help us slow down our brainwaves? Should. It should. It depends how the person's using them, but that is the that's that's what they're aimed to do. Um, so yeah, that definitely helps. And I actually recommend people to also put on something like classical music, which is more in line with the slower brainwave state uh, during the day, even when they're working, to help um, slow them down. We were actually um, a lot more creative when we're in an alpha brainwave state, which is like slightly slower than the beta. And that's when we're starting to integrate the left and the right hemispheres of the brain. So we're both productive as well as creative. Um, but when well, we're just in, people... that, when we're in that really fast state, we are more just like productive, you know, productive, hopefully, um, but not creative. So we're just doing repetitive tasks or we're just pumping something out, but it's not necessarily quality. Because that. I've been um, advised to listen to my, how do you pronounce it? Binaural beats? Yeah. Oh, you, when maybe I'm, it's different with the American accent. No, no, that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, I write fiction and I've been advised wow. to listen to them while I'm writing. And I think in different times in my life I have. I didn't even know why I was doing it. I was like, okay, because I'm from LA and we try everything. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. And different brainwave states um, all have their own qualities. It helps you to access different areas of the brain. So the slower brainwave states um, enhance our ability to be more creative. Uh, So that's probably why... Uh, that was recommended to you, yeah. And, and it's also, you know, partly behind this issue that companies have today of lack of innovation and creativity because people are stressed and they're in a beta brainwave state and it's actually really difficult for people to be creative in those states. Um, yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, I was just thinking I have a new, I've been listening to Insight Timer and I either listen to this one particular bedtime story, which is a walk through nature, or now I, I love it so much. I'll listen to just stories. I'll put the speaker next. Even if I'm not sleeping, I'll go just lay down for an hour and listen to music. And I I love it. And I noticed, so now when I go to sleep, if I am starting to think about things because I'm not listening to it, I'm so aware of it. So instead of listening to her talk about this woman talk about, you know, my feet on the wet sand and the, the mm. little birdies with their seeds, I can feel myself being like, Okay, I've got to prepare for my podcast tomorrow. And so it's been an interesting awakening for me. Yeah. yeah. And and the beautiful thing is that uh, actually when we're in those slower brainwave states, uh, we we can do work unconsciously. So it's like, you know, when you're in the shower and you get that aha moment, that's usually when your brainwaves are starting to slow down, you're entering the alpha or maybe even theta state, and you don't even need to consciously think about something, but you'll get a brainwave. That's why it's called a brainwave, right? And you get a ah. good idea. Yeah. So, uh, so you know, work doesn't have to be as hard as what we make it sometimes if we actually allow things to come to us naturally and we allow ourselves to relax. Relaxation is one of the missing parts of productivity, even though people aren't aware of that. Yeah. You know, um, it's. I was in a beautiful writing group for the last 13 weeks. And it was really more about spiritual practices around creativity. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I think she said was creative rest, that if you do not do the rest, you cannot get the productivity. 
So that is definitely a theme. And um, this wonderful astrologer, her name's Gina Piccolo. She was just on the show. I was listening to my Virgo horoscope this week and it was like, don't, don't try so hard. Just relax. Don't go for it. You know, and it was everything you're saying. And I, I love this message because I'm a hard charger. (laughs) I mean, I I love to relax. I really do. But I also can. So I know what this feels like when you let things come to you a little bit, when you take a break, it's like you're doing a crossword and you cannot think of the clue and you go take a walk and you come back and you're like, oh, I, how did I not think of that? It's right here now. Yeah. And it just comes to you. You don't need to consciously be trying to figure it out. Yeah. It just comes to you. Exactly. And it's because when your brain waves slow down, the left and the right hemispheres of the brain start to integrate. We, when we're in a really fast brainwave state, we're m- using more the left hemisphere. But so then the, br- the, the different areas of the brain start to um, integrate. And that's why we actually have these ideas come to us. It's much harder to function when you're only using half of your brain. So you get to more of a whole brain state. Yeah. And so when we don't get good sleep, we are functioning less in that whole brain state and more and more with the left hemisphere of the brain. And hence, you know, like people um, who don't sleep well are more likely to get things like Alzheimer's or, you know, uh, different um, uh, issues with the brain. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Because it affects our brain health. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. so what does it mean to balance our nervous system? I use this language a lot for myself lately. It's kind of, it's kind of new. Um, I can feel, I like having this language because I feel when I'm agitated or I'm feeling anxious and I have this language now to say, okay, I need to calm my nervous system. Hmm. I do it yeah. by getting in a hot bath with some good music. Yeah. I have different, I have different ways I do it, but it's really become helpful yeah. in my own life. So tell us, what do you think? How do we balance our nervous system? Yeah. So one of the first steps would would be becoming aware of your nervous system. So it sounds like, yeah, that's something you're doing. Uh, Without the awareness, we can't bring it into balance. So um, to put it in really simple terms, when we contract, we are in a state of stress. So stress and tension literally mean contraction right? So if your muscles are contracted, if your breathing's contracted, that's typically when you're in a state of stress. So it's like start to observe when your body's in that state. When we're relaxed, we're in an expanded state. So our muscles are more relaxed, our breathing's slower and deeper and more expanded. So it's like, are you contracted or are you expanded? That's one of the first things to really start to notice. And when people start to, to, to be, become aware of this, they might start to notice, oh, actually I'm contracted a lot of the time, which, again, that's that sign of stress. So awareness. And then start to bring in, so once you become aware that, yeah, you're in that more um, sympathetic uh, state more of the time, then, it's, then, you, then, then you have the opportunity to go, hang on a second, let me bring in some relaxation here because I'm, I'm in that stress state. Um, so awareness would be the first step. And then, and then of course, there's the how-to. So what do you do once you notice that you're in that stress state or, or the sympathetic um, state? Is just even starting with slowing your breathing down and dropping it down. You know, if you do that a few times a day, uh, that's a great start to the process. 
it's only one very basic tool, uh, but it's it's a good way to just start the process. So first of all, become aware. Second of all, if that's the only thing you do to start to each time you notice you co- you're contracted is to really start to slow your breathing down, relax your muscles, try and consciously expand. Um, and you could do that hundreds of times a day. Well, not well, you could, but, you know, you could do it multiple times a day. Um, so, yeah, and it makes a big this, difference. This leads me to a question because when I do a really rigorous cardio workout, uh-huh. I feel cleaned out and really clear in my mind. When I do a yoga workout, I feel cleaned out and really clear in my mind. But they're, yeah. they're very different mechanisms. Yeah, <laughs> right. I was curious about that. Like, are they even? Mm. Are they? What do you mm. think? What do you think's happening to you during those? I would think that yoga is genuinely relaxing my body. Yeah, yeah. And then... I would think the the heavy duty cardio is is some kind of clean out in the bloodstream or the hormones or something through the sweat yeah. and through the blood pumping. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. That, that's a guess. Yeah, and 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 also they're both activities that bring you more into your body. And the more present we are in our body, the less active our mind is. So if you just allow your mind to have a little bit of time out then more clarity will come. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and I have such an active little mind up there. So I've, yeah. for all of you who have active brains, do this stuff. It really helps. <laughs> yeah. And again, you know, this is the number one thing I hear from my client. I cannot switch my mind off is what I hear people say over and over. And it's really becoming a big uh, struggle for many, many people today. So it is possible to switch the brain or at least reduce the activity in the brain um, if you want to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. Talking about myths and, and just something else that's really important, I think, for, for this audience um, is to say that, um, yeah, so we so our sleep, we don't need less sleep with age. It's uh, It's... As people become less active, they often sleep less. So, oh, yeah, so I was saying this before. So so just because with time people often sleep less doesn't mean they need less sleep. If we stay active like we do, uh, you know, in, when we're younger, then we should be sleeping just as much. So really when people find it harder to sleep when they're older um, or, you know, with time, um, it's more, it's that's more a reflection of lack of activity rather than needing less sleep. Uh, we need just as much sleep, um, you know, in a, later in life as we do when we're 25. And is that about eight hours? Yeah, typically sort of seven to eight hours or seven and a half to eight and a half hours um, is what we need. Yeah. That's fascinating about the activity because I think it seems like a lot of people when they get older, they wake up super early, like not good early, like four in the morning or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, people's um, quality of sleep tends to decline. So I really want to say this. It is not because of age. It is because of how our lifestyle is changing with age. Um, so if we're not exercising like we were when we were younger or, um, yeah, a lot of the types of things we would do when we're younger, but that is what will affect the sleep. It's not, it's not the age, it's our lifestyle. 
There is a real message out there that it's deterministic, that as you get older, your hormones change, men and women, I think there's a message, and you're just not going to sleep as well. So I'm really happy we're talking about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolute myth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I remember my grandfather in his 90s, you know, he'd sleep like a log. And he was really, really healthy. You know, he was almost 100 when he died. And um uh yeah but he yeah he'd sleep he'd fall asleep quickly he'd sleep through the night you know um so where's the truth in that myth for him it just wasn't true and I think one of the reasons he did live so long is that he he was a good sleeper or at least he he worked on his sleep you know Yeah. So what would you say to someone who comes to you? Um, I'm thinking of someone I know. She is in great shape. She's very physically active. She has been had trouble sleeping since I think she said she was like 10 years old. So where would you maybe but she's she's a trainer. (laughs) Um, Where would you maybe start with someone like that? How would you? So yeah, because um, it can be historical for people as well. So, you know, speaking of the nervous system, so our body can store stress in the system and our nervous system can get wired uh, in in a certain way from a very young age. Like let's say we grow up with really anxious parents or neurotic parents, then there can be like a, 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 a nervousness that's passed on. And so that can be changed. It's not necessarily yours or you know the person who's kind of grown up with this but it can you know at 10 years old why is a 10 year old not sleeping well it's either because or some of the most common things are there's there's stress in the household um um there's an anxious parent um yeah, it's good. yeah, and so then what can happen is these patterns start to get stored in the body as well. So let's say, for example, trauma gets can get stored in the body. Um, so that's why it's really important to not just work through trauma through the mind, but to also release it from the body, because for a lot of people, um, sleep issues can be like history. So if you think the the um, the body is a record of the past in a way. And so if we don't work with releasing those kinds of things from the nervous system and from the body, uh, we can have it, you know, get travel with us through through our lives. And um, do you do you do that kind of work, releasing trauma through the body, or would you refer someone to a pra- different practitioner? Well, I do because I see it so much in my practice. It's absolutely necessary. Like some of the most uh, common things that that affects sleep are trauma, um, our anxiety, um, stress, uh, yeah, I'd say, uh, and the racing mind. So it's absolutely, so I have, you know, it's important that I work with all those kinds of things. So I've studied, um, you know, trauma release and, and various modalities around trauma. Um, and, and it's so important to, yeah, work with it from a, a body perspective. But, yes, absolutely, I work with it. And I wonder if there's ancestral trauma too that can, yeah, maybe, yeah, it's maybe. possible. Yeah, I don't want to say black and white, yes or no, but um, I do believe it, it, it's it exists. But um, yeah, yeah, and regardless of whether or not it's true, if 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 there if someone's not sleeping well and it, and yeah, it just there are ways to release this kind of thing from the body, even whether it's ancestral or or it's unique to us. It, 
it doesn't really matter. It's about how do we how do we release this now? I'm so curious about that. Okay, um, here's a totally a total jump and departure. What about the bladder having to get up to pee as we get older? I am so glad you asked that question. Great. This is there's another myth around this. I've had people come to me saying look, I need to go to the bathroom multiple times at night. My doctor tells me I've got a small bladder. What? (laughs) You know, there might be a small percentage of the population who literally do have a small bladder. But generally speaking, it isn't to do with the size of our bladder. It's about... again, it comes back to the nervous system. So when we are in a state of stress, uh, our bladder, most areas of the body contract, but our bladder relaxes. So, you know, it's like uh, before someone goes and does a a presentation in front of thousands of people, they're like, oh, I nearly peed my pants, right? It's like stress brings on the, the desire to urinate because the bladder relaxes. So Um, so if you believe that you just need to go to the bathroom multiple times at night, well, yeah, it could be because you've got a small bladder. It could be something really unusual, but for the majority of people, it is actually a stress response. And even if it happens at night, we still can carry stress at night time. It's not just during the day. So I really, I'm so glad you brought that up. So many people have misconceptions around that. And then um, when we're relaxed, our bl- we can hold our bladder better. And um, oh because- my goodness! Yeah, yeah, interesting, isn't it? Um, I work with a lot of people on that. How to? I've got one client uh, who's just finished up my program, so he was going to the bathroom about six times a night, and now he doesn't go at all. So where he was, and so this is also so important because what it does is it breaks up people's sleep and it really disturbs the quality of sleep. So once you know how to um, change that, you're able to get a much better quality of sleep, much better. How do you change it? How do we do it? Or is it, it's just too complicated? Do my sleep program. <laughs> I know, I know. We all have to do her sleep program. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I it is me- something that can be changed. Again, I really want to bust that myth that, oh, I just have to live with, you know, this weak bladder that I've got. It's not true. It can be changed. Yeah, and I think men think also it's their prostate as they get older. So Yeah, look, and it, it may be or it may not be. So interesting. When COVID started, I was waking up to pee every two hours and just waking up every two hours. Isn't that interesting? So what, yeah. Yeah. And what was was different for you? I think I was scared. Yeah. I think it was just this sort of collective trauma of our whole lives. Because in LA, we kind of went in pretty quickly and school ended for my son and my husband didn't go to work anymore. So I think it was, it was kind of like we were saying, I didn't feel outwardly scared. I already wasn't mm. conscious of it, but I, I think I had a lot of anxiety around it. And I tried melatonin. It actually did nothing. And well, here's the thing, because this because cortisol overrides melatonin, it doesn't work for so many people. You know, from my perspective, if you're going to take a, um, any kind of sleep aid, melatonin is is a preferable one. But but that's the struggle is that it um 
it, yeah, cortisol overrides it. So if you are scared, like you said, adrenaline and cortisol will override the melatonin. It just won't work. And it's so interesting you say that because there, there you go. That's such a great example of how fear, and even though it may not necessarily have been that conscious, because for a lot of people, they're not conscious of their fear. So that fear would have created that um, the sympathetic response in the nervous system. And then there you go. You want to pee. Um, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's true. Um, and I, luckily I worked it out, but it, there was right. you know, like a couple months where I was like, I would sleep so long that I kind of was fine. Yeah, still, right. You know, it was kind yeah. of, but it wasn't. It was when I started sleeping through the night again. Uh-huh. Although I still get, I still wake up once a night, but now I tell myself, do you really have to pee? And I don't. And I go back to sleep. Yeah, great. And that's another that's another way to start that process is to really just check in. Or, yeah, do you really need to go? Because a lot of the time you, people may not know. Of course, sometimes it's going to be, ten, you know, really necessary. But uh, a lot of the time it won't be. So great. So just check in. If you don't need to go, just see if you can relax and calm your body and go back to sleep. Perfect. Yeah, but I'm, I'm definitely taking notes. I think I'm going to – my sleep – I used to sleep just like a pure champ. And then when I had my son, when he was younger, he would wake up a lot when he was a baby. And I think uh, once he started sleeping through the night, it took me so, I had this like vigilance of checking on him. And so it was a real habit and for years. And I remember the first night I slept through again, I was like, whoa. (laughs) Uh, But I still, yeah, I still think my sleep is recovering a bit from, He's 12 now. and yeah. yeah. You know, this is another thing and it sort of breaks my heart because it's such a common pattern in women who have had children and even like later on in life. So a lot of women that I speak to have had children, have had, you know, broken sleep, you know, waking up breastfeeding and, of course, all, you know, all the things that go along with having uh, small children. Um, but then often they um don't some people go back to normal but then some women um those patterns never change and if uh you're someone out there listening who you've never changed that pattern it's really important to get the help to do that because you may unnecessarily go the rest of your life having broken sleep because that pattern has never changed and all of this is a pattern so it's so important to break that pattern so that you can stay young and healthy and vital because it is no longer necessary you know obviously when your children get to a certain age to be waking up so yeah just a self-care thing self-love yeah to, to to really work to work on that because it's not necessary and I think the biggest message I think all of us are probably walking away with today is this is not predetermined mm-hmm. and that we can all get a good night's sleep. Yeah. So that's, yeah, exactly. So I hear all the time, oh, I'm just a bad sleeper. It's just the way I am. Not true. Everybody can fix their sleep. Sleep is a natural function. And we talked about this before the show, women who are starting to go through perimenopause, if their sleep is interrupted, what did you reckon, what do you think they should do or how should they approach it if they're waking up with night sweats or anything? Yeah. So, you know, obviously you want to work with your doctor through these kinds of things um, and and, and sort out some kind of plan around that. Uh, What I was speaking to was um, what a lot of people often don't realize is that when 
we get a hot flush or even when just there's a peak a, a peak in temperature that it's a peak in cortisol so cortisol and stress hormones increase heat in the body and so like for example a lot of my clients will say oh, I woke up I was just so hot I woke up but what they're not realizing they're thinking they're waking up because they're hot but they're actually waking up uh, because there's a peak in cortisol and it's like what's causing that so that's really what um it's important for people to to look at whether they're men or women doesn't matter um but then coming back to the the menopause um issue so with menopause yeah there are peaks in cortisol that then create these the, the hot flushes so if it um if you work on reducing your cortisol levels then the hot flushes won't be as um, severe and you know I, I have worked with some women who stop getting hot flushes after reducing their stress levels when they really understand what's happening so it, it's not just as simple you know as dietary and there's a whole lot of factors that um, come into this but but it's just often so often overlooked is well if cortisol's like really causing this peak in heat then how do we reduce cortisol and my first thought about reducing cortisol is um, physical movement, meditation, um, let's see, limiting caffeine, limiting yeah. alcohol. Am I kind of hitting the... Yeah, definitely all of those things are important, yeah. So slowing always... down brain waves. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so there's always physical, mental, emotional, energetic uh, components. Um, so to reduce cortisol... Um, yeah, physical activity and, you know, a, a healthy diet. Um, uh, but I would say the most important thing, if I had to say one thing, it would be changing the way that we think. And people are really, if you think about the mind like a garden, usually people have these, their mind is like a garden that is overgrown. They don't know what plants are there. Um, it's just it's a bit of a mess. So it's like, to have a nice garden, not only do we need to trim it back, we also need to understand what's in the garden. So um, so by that I mean understand the way that you think. You know, what are your thinking patterns? Do you do worst-case scenario? Do you do a lot of future thinking? Do you do a lot of judging? You know, what are your particular patterns? Because if you don't know what they are, how can you change them? Um, so, yeah, so changing our thoughts is understand, becoming aware of them and changing them. Uh, so that uh, we don't have these um, increases in stress levels is, to me, the number one thing. And I'll jump in here. Um, hard charging Burgo here. At first, I was like, okay, that thought's not good. I'm going to replace it with another thought. It's better. <laughs> and someone explained to me, you can't do that. You can't just swap out your thoughts. You have to you have to sort of go through a process. Um, well, but, yeah, well, I've challenged that. Why do you? Why can't you just change your thought? I guess... Unless you yeah, don't believe the new thought. If you're, if you're fooling yourself, the unconscious right, mind it. will know that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Exactly. And sometimes I think you can swap out the thought. But you're right. We just got to make sure we're not fooling ourselves. Yeah, sure. Because and, and just being like, I'm going to override this. Yeah. But so do you have... So it's like people who... People come to me and they go, well, I've been practicing all my sleep affirmations. I've been telling myself I'm a great sleeper and... And, and they're like, but it's not working. I'm like, of course it's not working because you don't actually believe that. So then I encourage people to have more sleep affirmations more around, uh, for example, I, 
I might sleep well tonight because we can accept that, right? It's possible, even if you're not a great sleeper, you may sleep well tonight. Um, so something that introduces possibility rather than it just being a black and white um, uh, statement that, uh, that we don't actually believe at a deeper level. Do you have some resources you love for this, like books or I'm just curious. Someone just recommended Do the Work by Byron Katie that it's. Um, not necessarily. I, I mean, I have a whole module on changing your belief, your sleep mindset in the program that I run. It's re- and it's specific to sleep. So, um, yeah. I How don't- did you learn it? So I I studied NLP I and just also uh, from my own experience, you know, try, trial and error. I was like, you know, I used to do those sleep affirmations and I was like, this is crap, this doesn't work. <laughs> um, but it's what a lot of people are being told to do. And, again, it's like to me the sleep industry really needs an overhaul. Um, you know, there's so much bad advice out there around sleep. Um so, yeah, so I, part of it was trial and error and then also a lot of it is I've studied a lot of psychology and NLP and um, hypnotherapy. What does NLP stand for? Uh, neuro-linguistic programming. Okay. it's maybe Is it a little bit like cognitive behavioral, mm, I wonder? There, no? There's an overlap, uh, sort of. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, like I said, I will um, we'll do more of this. I think that's another episode and I love it. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, Yeah, so something else that happens with time is that our pineal gland, uh, which is a gland in our brain, which produces, uh, in our head, which produces um, uh, melatonin and various other hormones, but um, in relationship to sleep, the important uh, hormone is, is the melatonin production. It calcifies over time. And uh, one of the main reasons behind this is a bit of a controversial one, which is the fluoride in our water. And so a lot of people say, oh, the water's fine. But actually, like uh, for me, I will, I just do not drink water that has not been filtered because I love my pineal gland too much. So fluoride calcifies our pineal glands. Pineal glands produce melatonin, which is absolutely critical to easy, good quality sleep. And it is also the gateway to spirituality, uh, which, yeah, so if we have a calcified pineal gland, it's going to be much harder to um, develop our ability to sort of tap into those more altered states if, if that's something that is of interest to people. This is an amazing piece of information. If you boil tap water, does that get rid of fluoride? No. Probably actually, um, um, because the water's coming off, you're probably actually increasing the concentration of it. Uh, yeah, no. So that'll kill certain bacteria, that kind of thing, but it won't uh, change the fluoride because that's just, it's a chemical that's in the water. And what about fluoride in toothpaste? Yeah, fine. Same. Same. Don't touch it. Get fluoride free toothpaste. I, I just, you know, Everyone's got their beliefs around this kind of thing, but if anyone's open to it, the more fluoride you can cut out of your uh, your intake, whether it's through water or whatever it is, toothpaste, um, the better off you will be in terms of the health of your pineal gland. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And there's also ways to, you know, look, if you're, you know, say you're, for example, uh, in your 60s and going, oh, it's too late, my pineal gland would already be cal- calcified. Well, you're probably correct. It probably is, but there are ways to decalcify it as well. So 
we won't get into that today, but it is possible to decalcify. I don't want people to go, oh, that's it, I'm doomed. Um, there are ways. I'm writing that down, though. I'm like, yeah. I know most of the water I've ever had is filtered, but just in case. <laughs> well, and, you, and a filter that removes fluoride, you know, some filters don't. So that's important, too. Okay, I'm definitely going to follow up on this for myself. Yeah, um, most of them Did would. you? But not the, um, you know, if you get one of those sort of cheap um, jug Brita? ones, they, they don't typically filter out fluoride. I wonder if Brita does. I'll have to check. No, I don't think it does. Don't check. So, okay. I did, but oh, okay. I'm, not, I'm not 100%. Gia, check. Okay. Uh, this is so good. Did you want to say something about the human growth hormone? <laughs> say anything else? Yeah. So just a couple of other um, things that may be of interest to people are we release human growth hormone, which is often known as um, the youth hormone. Uh, it's responsible, it's it's the main hormone responsible for our repair and regeneration in the body, you know, muscles and bones and tissues and all that kind of thing. Um, and we release that mostly during deep sleep. So for people that are light sleepers, they are probably not getting as much a human growth hormone released as um, is desirable. Um, and so the ageing process will happen a lot faster. That's why one of the reasons why deep sleep is so, so important, um, especially to keep us young and, and youthful and, and mind and body. Um, so that's one thing to mention. Um, and the other thing I also wanted to mention, which sometimes people aren't aware of, is that sleep is one of the main times that we detoxify so so there's a lot of uh different fasting and you know um diet diets out there that really are promoting the detoxification process at the moment and that's all great and it's really important to know that actually this process happens every night and and that's one of the the keys to our youthfulness is having a good detox every night when we sleep so um it's, an, it's one of the reasons why sleep is so important to um, uh, our health, our youthfulness. And um, uh, what was I going to say? So, so it's both the brain and the body, right? So the, the body will detoxify. So does the brain. So our brain effectively gets, like, cleaned out at night time. You know how you, you can feel when you've had a really good sleep, your brain feels so much clearer in the morning? Because it's literally cleaned out all the junk and the toxins, you know, in there. Um, so that's, yeah, that's important to know. I was thinking that when I have a really good nap, I always say it, it feels like my brain went through a, a washing machine in the best way, like a really good nap. Yeah. Just like, oh, <laughs> how do you feel about now? There are three things, actually, I have three things. Sleep trackers, caffeine, and napping. So let's uh -huh. talk about napping real quick, and then we'll okay. go to sleep trackers. Okay. So um, here's some info for you. So a, sh so a shorter nap, um, and I do support naps for anyone who likes naps, um, a shorter nap, sort of, you know, your 20-minute kind of nap, uh, you're typically in that lighter stage of sleep, which is when we heal more mentally, um, a little bit emotionally, uh, and then 
in deep sleep, we're repairing more on that physical level. And to get into that deep sleep state, um, we need a full sleep cycle. So sort of it's usually around 90 minutes, uh, which is what they do for in, say, for example, the Mediterranean with their siestas. They'll, they have a full sleep cycle. So if you want to just have a quick uh uh, um, get mental clarity and regenerate, you know, your mind quickly, then a short nap is effective. If you want to um, really help your body, then you want to go for that longer sort of two-hour kind of nap, um, which works on all the different levels, like mentally, emotionally, uh, physically, energetically. Um, and is it true you want to keep it a little separate from when you're going to go to bed, like don't take a two-hour nap at four o'clock? Yeah, you don't want it yeah. to be too close to bedtime. Exactly. Uh, okay. Exactly. Yeah. How do you feel about sleep trackers? Seeing if do they work? Can you see if you're getting into this deep sleep, or does it cause yeah. more anxiety? Yeah, it depends on the quality of the app and the tracker and all those kinds of things. So some of them are more accurate than others. Um, and for some people, having the stats really helps them. They know, you know, what areas to work on. But for other people, it stresses them out because they're like, oh, my goodness, I'm not sleeping well. And, you know, so really it's checking, you know, how we talked about um, it's how we filter our reality out, the way that we think. So it's like it, it depends on how people process that information. And so if it's going to create stress for you, I would say don't use it. If it is just if it's helpful for you and it's just something that you find interesting and engaging, then go for it. So it's really, you've got to check in what, what's your response to it. Yeah. I feel like it would make me neurotic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And for a lot of people it does. <laughs> so then don't. <laughs> and really, so, you know, it's like come back to, to relying on your own ability to know when you've had a good night's sleep. If you are feeling great in the morning, chances are you've had a good night's sleep. We don't, we don't have to use trackers. So it's like you sometimes I feel like we, we can be so disconnected from our bodies and our own intelligence that, you know, we use devices to measure all these things. But also, like, you know, check in with yourself as well. Before, maybe before you check your app, just go, okay, what's my perception? Do, do, do I feel good this morning? How am I feeling? Do I believe I had a good night's sleep? Okay. Then check your app. Just so you don't lose that disconnect, that you don't start to become more more disconnected because there's a big disconnect from our bodies um, for, for a lot of people these days. It's such good advice. Okay, I caffeine. Caffeine, yeah. Okay. Coffee, tea. Yeah, so, oh, and that's one of this, I forgot to mention that before. So that's often referred to in the sleep hygiene kind of um, um, list of or bucket of things. So... Ideally, ideally none of us would drink coffee. Maybe, maybe one cup, maybe two. Um, but I guess that the things that are most important to be mindful of is how, how many coffees you're having, how strong they are and what time you're having them. Like I definitely would recommend people to cut, just completely stop from 3 p.m. onwards. Um, and then it's like, okay, so what? what's sitting behind? Because it's, it, coffee is like a, it's a stimulant. So it's going to uh, um, uh, stimulate your nervous system more and put you more into that sympathetic drive, which is why a lot of people will drink it because they want to be more focused. They want to, you know, those kinds of things. Well, if you're getting enough sleep, you don't actually need it. If you're getting really good quality sleep, you don't need it. 
Um, so it's more like, you know, a Band-Aid solution and it's become a bit of an addiction in our society. Um, so I agree. Yeah. And um, it's funny, like I can't have, ideally I have one cup in the morning and that's it. I mean, like don't yeah. have it after 8 a.m. But right. ideally... I know. I sleep so much better when I don't have any coffee at all. Yeah. 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 Do you drink it? I do. <laughs> Not always. <laughs> Not always. Yeah. But some days I won't have it. Some days I'll have one or two, but I never have more than that. Yeah. I have one. It's pretty strong. It's first thing. I, I love the ritual of it. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. I did get this stuff called mud water. Um, little oh. plug for mud water. It's a chai and it has all these good mushrooms in it. Uh-huh. And it is a really good replacement. So uh-huh. yeah, it's good to find a replacement if, if people can. I like yeah. the idea that you don't have to have it every day too. Yeah. Well, and then when you do, if you don't have it every day and then you do have it occasionally, it's like, yeah, it works much better <laughs> if you yeah. do really need that boost on certain days. Yeah. Is, yeah. The rocket fuel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, this has been incredible. I always end the show asking three tips for aging thoughtfully, no matter our budget. And you could make these for sleep or in general, your three tips for aging thoughtfully. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, of course, I have to say really working on your sleep is (laughs) the number one. I'm going to be a bit biased and say that. And, you know, we work, often people have the awareness to work on their diet or exercise, but but often people don't give sleep much consideration or they think it's something that's beyond their control. And I really want to encourage people to question that and um, to know that if you don't sleep as well as you would like to, you can develop sleep skills. You can change this. It is not something that is you know, set for life. Um, so, yeah, absolutely sleep, I would say, getting good quality sleep and enough of it, uh, number one thing. But, of course, I'm biased. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I would say we, we had a little chat, chat about this before. I, I agree with you that living a heart-centric life and and um, uh and being in a place where we can experience more joy in our lives is really, really important. Um, yeah, absolutely. And a third one. Hmm. I do, I do really believe in understanding our minds, how our minds operate and um, cultivating that because the quality of our thoughts affect so much in our life. Um, so, you know, what do we do the most? We're talking to ourselves most of the time, aren't mm. we? You know, so we, true. We forget we're doing it because it is happening constantly. For most people, it is constant. So at least have some quality. If you're going to, like, we want to ideally, you know, reducing the chatter is 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 the best thing uh but if we are going to chat to ourselves a lot let's at least make it a good quality conversation um yes yeah so i don't know if they're my top three tips but they're what comes to me right now (laughs) they're fantastic tips and i hope that i think this is going to make everybody feel optimistic and put sleep as a priority 
in case it's gotten, you know, pushed to the back burner or we've become complacent with sleep that's not that great. It's such an honor to have you. Thank you oh, so much. It has been such a pleasure, Marissa. You are just a divine interviewer. I really enjoyed it today. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. We will keep and, in touch. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And and I, I will Especially to your audience, I hope that they now can start to question a few things that maybe were, you know, I think beliefs that they had that may or may not really be true um, and to really start to question, you know, can they change the quality of their sleep and what can they do? Um, Yeah. Yes, and I will definitely put – why don't you – maybe you should say your website, but I will also put it in the show notes. Oh, yeah, sure. So it's www.thesleep.com expert.com um so that's it so t-h-e-s-l-e-e-p-e-x-p-e-r-t.com um and as i mentioned to you i'm happy to share with you um a short guide on sleep and um uh, staying youthful so uh yeah, yes readers we, your, your we have a little gift yes Elena, yeah, i love yeah. to share that yeah. Perfect. I will, yeah, let people know how to access that. And thank you so much for that, too. <laughs> have a beautiful day, and I will talk to you soon. And you have a beautiful night. <laughs> thank you, Alina. Thanks, Marissa. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Age Thoughtfully. I hope you learned a lot. I hope if sleep is an issue that you're inspired. I know I've really been sort of chewing on this idea of thinking differently, examining my thoughts. I think um, before speaking to Alina, I was working on a paradigm where I would get stressed, but then I would take care of the stress with exercise, baths, meditation, etc. And she really opened my eyes up to the idea of what if we think differently and negotiate the world a little differently so that we're not getting stressed. And I know sometimes stress is absolutely going to be there. There are, you know, sometimes we can't help it. But um, I think for me personally, I put some undue pressure on myself. Um, anyway, I'm so I'm examining. I'm curious what you thought, what you think. My email is mkennerson at gmail.com if you'd like to share your thoughts or you can leave me a message on the Anchor app. I hope you have an absolutely beautiful rest of the week and I'm tired. I'm excited for, for sleep. <laughs> I've just been one of those weeks. I'm just tired and sleep is the answer I'm in. So take care. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will see you next time.